Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I'm excited to share this message with you today. I pray the Lord ministers to you as you listen. Are you hungry to advance your prophetic calling and step into your unique prophetic destiny? It's time to break the silence, stand boldly in dark places, and resound the truth across the nations. Join us at the School of the Prophets, a transformative four-and-a-half-day intensive training school. You will gain understanding in your prophetic calling, refine your gifting, and grow in confidence to spearhead cultural change. Register for this year's School of the Prophets, August 7th through the 11th, in person or online at Bethel.com forward slash events. God bless. Holy Spirit, thank you for this day. We ask your blessing. We ask, Lord, that wonders and signs and miracles would confirm the preaching today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Um, I've kind of been on this journey for a while. Um, you know, the Lord told us, I think it was two and a half, three years ago, that we were to get back to the old gym. And then I had an encounter a few months ago where the Lord talked to me about doing the deeds. I did it first. Um, and then about a week or two ago, we were doing, I have a webcast, podcast called uh, Cultural Catalyst, where I interview people who have a heart to transform culture. And so we were doing an interview. I was doing an interview. I was moderating an interview with some of the School of the Prophets leaders, uh, uh, Dano McCollum, Bethany, and Haley. And the, my team had wrote questions for us to uh, talk about. So I was reading off the question, the questions that my team developed for us, for the four of us to ask, and I was moderating the questions. And one of the questions was, um, what would you tell your younger self? So the three uh, of the other team were answering that question, what would you tell your younger self? It's a pretty common question. And when it came to me and I was moderating my own question, I actually felt the Lord say to me, I don't want you to answer that question. I want you to answer what your younger self would tell your older self. And uh, I got so overwhelmed with the presence of God. I, I probably wept for a minute or two before I answered. I didn't anticipate that question at all. And I felt my younger self, I felt, I, I said, my younger self would say, remember when you believed that nothing was impossible with God. Remember when you didn't have disappointments and you doubted maybe it won't happen? Do you remember when you had nothing to lose, when you had no reputation, no fame, no fortune, and you would just do anything, do anything I told you? And uh, I, I just began to, again, and, and by the way, this is, a, this is kind of the season I'm in. Like These kind of encounters are becoming common to me the last three years, where the Lord is challenging me to... Do the deeds I did at first, take a risk, and what do you have to lose? And so I, I want to talk today about prophecy, and I know we've shared this many times, but I feel like not only am I going back to the old gym, but I feel like we're going back to the old gym. And I feel like there's a mandate for us to kind of return to the deeds we did at first. And, um, and maybe that's not for you, that's fine, but you're here and I'm speaking, so... <laughs> That's what you're going to hear today. You know, I was, um, I was in Alaska about, uh, about a year ago, less than a year ago. And uh, in, in, I was in um, Wasilla. And this, this gal came up to me and she said, uh, do you remember me? I said, no, I'm sorry. She said, um, you prophesied over to me. 
He prophesied over me many years ago, and he said, oh, I'm sorry I don't remember that. She said, I was in YWAM in Kona. And I said, oh, I kind of remember that. And she said, I, she said yeah, she said, um, she said, I had lost, we had lost our son. And I said, oh my gosh, I remember that. And I, I, I may have the details wrong, but the, the overall uh, testimony is true. Uh, she had, her husband and her couldn't have children. By a miracle, they had a son. I think he was two or three, definitely not, an, not, definitely not stillborn. And they lost their son. And they got so depressed that they, I think they lost everything. They went to YWAM to just like start over. And I was there, you know, when you teach at YWAM, you teach for five days, it's four hours a day, it's a lot. And uh, after a little while, like two or three days in, you kind of get to know the people because it's like 50 to 70 people usually. So it's not a great big group. And, And I noticed that this couple, probably in their late 30s, like they were depressed the entire three days. And so I asked the leader, I said, hey, what's going on with this couple? And they said, oh, they lost their child and they decided to come to YWAM because they, they're just devastated. Their life was destroyed and they're just really depressed. Okay, well, on the last day, which would have been a Friday, I called them out and I, I obviously just knew what, what, that they had a disaster. They're, uh, obviously, their leader told me. So I, I said, can you stand up? And they stood up and I said, I know, I know you lost a child, not because the Lord told me, but because your leader told me. But the Lord says that he's going to give you twin daughters to replace what you lost. He's going to bless you with twin daughters. And, you know, and so they cried. and It was all cool. Well, I think that was somewhere around 22 years ago. So when I was in Alaska, she came up and said, do you remember you prophesied to me? I said, no, we went through that. She goes, you prophesied. And I said, oh, that you were going to have twin daughters. She said, yeah, I thought I'd introduce you to them. Wow. And she brought two, the two girls up who were in their 20s. And her mom said, uh, Chris is the reason why you're alive. So prophecy is pretty fun. <laughs> Last service, I was in Twinview and I, was, uh, I went down, uh, what I hopefully do today, and I was ministering over like maybe four or five people. And the first girl I ministered to, I said, I see you as a doctor. And I gave her this word about being a doctor. And I said, at the end of it, I said, you, it might be spiritual. She said, no, it's not. She said, the Lord told me to go back to medical school. And I told her she's going to be a heart surgeon and become a doctor and a heart surgeon. I'm like, that was a good word, you know? <laughs> so I think prophecy is pretty important. And one of the criticisms that we get as a movement is that you guys are always prophesying positive stuff. Like, why don't you do like Ezekiel, you know, Elijah, Elisha, call down fire, you know? Like, why are you guys always happy and why are you guys doing positive stuff? And, and I thought that I'd start this morning a series on prophecy um, I've done this many times, so some of our team are going to, oh, yeah, I've heard this all before. But I'd like to just point out that we live in a new covenant. So in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is at what we call the Last Supper. He takes the bread and he breaks it. This is my body, what's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the cup and he, and he makes a statement. This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. 
And I want to point out that we live in a new covenant. The old covenant was based on your ability to be righteous and keep the rules. And how many of you know, Isaiah prophesied 500 years before Christ, there's none righteous, not even one. But the new covenant isn't based on your ability to be righteous, but on his ability to be righteous for us. And Romans 5.19 says, For as through one man's disobedience, many became sinners, even so through the obedience of one, many were made righteous. And how many of you know, it's not by your works, but his works, that you and I became righteous. In, in Hebrews chapter 8, um, verse 10, the Hebrew writer is recounting an Old Testament prophet. Can I say, he's taking an Old Testament prophecy that was given you know, hundreds of years before, and he's pulling it into the New Testament. And he writes this. Um, he, 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 he repeats this prophecy. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their minds. I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know the Lord from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Now, verse 13 says this. When he said, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete, but what is becoming obsolete is growing old and is ready to disappear. I'd like to point out that the old covenant was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It's become obsolete, and we actually live in a new covenant. Are you with me? Okay, so... Um, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus makes this statement. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute us, so that you may be like your son, so you may be sons of your father who's in heaven, for he causes the sun to rise on evil and good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is a pivotal verse because Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemies. Where did they hear that? I'd propose they heard it from the Old Testament. Joshua was told to go into the land and kill everybody. Don't let anybody live. Do you remember the first king that, saw, that Samuel, I'm sorry, that Israel ever had? His name was Saul. And do you remember that he lost his kingship by disobeying the Lord, by giving mercy to a king that God said kill everybody? And Samuel the prophet, who was carrying a sword, took the sword and killed the king and in the movie, Samuel was the good guy, and Saul, who extended mercy, was the bad guy. <laughs> Here we go, okay. I'm only pointing out that in the old covenant, they, that your love for God was actually measured by how much you hated people who hated God. David often said in the Psalms, do I not hate those who hate you? And it was bragging. How many like the story of David and Goliath? That was, nobody, nobody's raised their hand, like... <laughs> Only Bill. Bill likes that story. <laughs> the story of David and Goliath is David killing Goliath. This is the story. <laughs> Bill, it's the wrong time to say yes. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm getting at is that the new covenant, in the new covenant, if you want to be like the sons of your father, you love people who don't love you. You bless people who don't bless you. And then he goes on to say, and he makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I'd like to point out in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13, God 
tells Moses, it shall come about if you listen and are obedient to the commandments which I've commanded you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, that he will give you rain for your land in season, early and late rain, that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. And he will give grass for your fields, for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Beware that your hearts are not deceived, that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them. Or the anger of the Lord will be burned against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that, will, so that no rain and no rain and the ground will be so that there will be no rain and the ground will not yield its fruit and you will perish quickly and in the good in the good land which the Lord has given you and I'm pointing out that in the Old Testament one of the curses of the Old Testament is if you don't serve the Lord it will stop raining now Bill pointed out that it did still rain often in the promised land before they got in there it was a lush land so it had to rain but the point is is that in the Old Testament Think about this. Elijah, the prophet, stopped the rain for three and a half years without any prophetic word from the Lord. Now, the Lord spoke to him after he stopped the rain, but where did he get that idea? Well, from verses like Deuteronomy, where God goes, Ahab and Jezebel are serving other gods. It should stop raining. My point is, is that God does good to people who do bad in the new covenant. (laughs) Okay, it's getting quiet in here. In Malachi chapter four, verse five, Malachi prophesies, Behold, I'm going to send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of fathers to children, the hearts of children to fathers. I want to point out that Elijah, Elijah is prophesied to come into, in the last days. Elijah's going to come, and what's he going to do? He's going to restore hearts of fathers to sons and daughters, and hearts of sons and daughters to fathers. What did Elijah do in the Old Covenant? <laughs> Stopped rain, killed false prophets, 300 of them, judged Israel. But what happens when you take an old covenant prophet and you move him into a new covenant? What is his ministry now? The ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, you know these verses. We no longer know each other after the, after the flesh. Well, we, do, we did know Christ this way once before. The next verse, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. Next verse, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How did he do it? Not counting their trespasses against them. Next verse says, and we've been given the ministry of reconciliation as if God was begging through us, be reconciled to God. What's my point? My point is, is that the ministry of reconciliation ought to affect our prophetic ministry. (laughs) We've not been given the ministry of judgment. We are in part of a new covenant in which God blesses people who don't serve him. God loves people who don't love him. God makes it rain on people who serve other gods. (sighs) So quiet in here. Such a good word. (laughs) We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, in the, in the New Testament, Jesus, is, he preaches in the synagogue. And in the synagogue, there's a chair. Jewish tradition tells us there's a chair that the, the uh, Pharisees believed, the religious leaders believed that the Messiah would come, he would sit in this chair that I think hadn't been set in for like 400 years, and he would call for the Messiah's mandate, which is Isaiah 61, the scroll of my Isaiah. And he would sit in that chair and he proclaim, and he would proclaim the, the, mandate, the mandate of Isaiah. 
the, the Messiah's mandate. One day, Jesus is preaching, it's his turn. He comes and he sits in the chair. It says, every eye is on him. Call for security. He calls for the scroll of Isaiah. He begins to read the scroll of Isaiah, which Isaiah wrote, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news of the afflicted, bind up the broken heart, speak release to captives, freedom of the prisoners, the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. But look what Jesus reads. It's in Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, release to captives and recovery sight to the blind, to set those who are oppressed free, to proclaim the favorable of the year of the Lord. Period. Where Isaiah put a comma, Jesus put a period. Because the rest of the verse is the day of vengeance of our God. How many know Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but that the world would be saved through him? Where am I going? I'm pointing out that you don't live in the last days. In the last day. You live in the last days. Okay. I'm breaking time up into three pieces. The first is you don't live in an old covenant. By the way, this is a two-hour teaching you're getting in 30 minutes. You don't live in an old covenant. You live in a new covenant. The new covenant is a covenant of reconciliation. The old covenant is a covenant of, just, of judgment. Are you with me? What, what has changed? Okay, well, think about this. Let's say that Gabe is a judge. He looks like a judge. <laughs> and let's say that Steve killed my brother. So he goes before the judge, and Gabe goes, Oh, your brother. Oh, your, your dad. Steve, your dad? Oh, we golf together. He's a friend of mine. Steve, go free. And like, wait a second, he killed my brother. How many know that's mercy? But it's not justice. Psalms 37, Psalms 97 says that the throne, that God sits on a mercy seat, but the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. How many know God has a challenge? Because he has to create justice so he can release mercy. Steve's mother comes and says, I will die for Steve. And the judge looks in the archives of fugitives and says, oh, wait a second. I'm sorry, Mrs. Moore, you can't die for Steve because you're actually a fugitive. You actually owe for your own sins. You can't die for his because the soul that sins shall die, you owe for yours. All of a sudden, the courthouse back doors burst open and the son of the judge steps in and says, your honor, I will die for Steve. The judge looks at the archives of fugitives and says, Steve, oh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Oh, wait a second. You're not a fugitive. You don't owe for your sins. You don't have to die for your sins. So you can die for his. And God creates justice through Christ so he can release mercy. What's the difference between the old and new covenant? Christ died on the cross to release justice so he can extend mercy. How many understand? <laughs> That's a good word, right? Oh, you're getting it now. That's awesome. 
How many know when we prophesy judgment, we have, un- we have actually undone what Christ did on the cross? Because we live in, a, in, in, in the last days. So Paul, Peter, you know, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on, in the first century church, Acts chapter 2, they're all acting drunk, they're, they're speaking in tongues, they're, they're, they're acting crazy, and they're like, they're all drunk. And Peter stands up and says, no. These people that you see here, he said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is what was written through the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on a few people. Oh, all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will have dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even upon your bond servants will I pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. What I'm getting at is, he says, in the last days... What's God do? And by the way, the eighth verse, or no, I'm sorry, the, I think it's the 14th verse says, and everyone who shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he goes on to call it the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many of you know you don't live in great terrible, you live in great and glorious? I'm pointing out that you live in the last days. But there is a day coming a day coming called the last day. I'm going to read you just a couple of verses. It says, uh, Acts 17, verse 31 says, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Second Peter 3, verse 7 says, he has kept the day of judgment for the destruction of the ungodly men. In Jude 6, it says that He has kept eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And seven times in the new covenant, God says there's coming a great and terrible day. This great and terrible day is called the day of judgment. It's always spoken of not as days, but as a day. And God is the judge. It's quiet in here. I want to point out that we don't live in an old covenant. We live in a new one. This is a new covenant. And we don't live, and we live in the epoch, epoch, a way God deals with certain people in a certain time. We live not in the last day, the day of judgment. We live in the last days. The last days are called great and glorious, and the last days are days of, rec- of reconciliation. The last days are great, are anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This, we live in Graceland. Uh, Elvis is dead, but Jesus is alive. I want you to. Are you with me? And I'm pointing out that there is a day coming for judgment, but you don't get to be the judge. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed. Everybody say the secrets of his heart are disclosed. So he'll fall on his face and glorify God and say, declaring that God is certainly among you. We're talking about New Testament prophecy. What should it look like? I used to think the secrets of that man's heart were his sins. I used to call out people's sins. It was kind of fun. His secret sin. When Danny Silk became our pastor, his very first message was, uh, uh, was on offense. And he said, if you're offended by anyone in this church, I want you to go to them. Well, three hours later, there was a line only at my chair. It was a lot of fun. Every single person in that line was offended by prophecies I'd given them. I said to the Lord, I will never prophesy again. You know how that goes. He's like, uh, yeah, no. 
And I began this journey of trying to figure out what it was like to be a New Testament prophetic person. And the, these were the first verses I studied because I based so much of my ministry on the, the revealing the secret hearts of people. And one day I'm reading a verse and I look it up and I realize the word secret is also the word treasure. And I realized that when I prophesied over people, they didn't fall down and worship God and say, God's certainly among you. They ran out, they screamed, they did everything but say, God's certainly among you. I'm like, hmm, a little different fruit than I was having. And then I realized that there are secrets in people's heart that they don't know about. And there's a great story. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but I'll, I'll give you the overview of it. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, there's a story of Saul, who's looking for his donkeys, and Samuel the prophet. And God says to Samuel the prophet, tomorrow morning, there's going to be a man named Saul. He's looking for donkeys. But he's, you're going to anoint him king. So that next day, Samuel, Saul, ends up at Samuel's house and says, hey, we're looking for a prophet. Do uh, you know where we can find one? He goes, I'm the prophet. By the way, your donkeys have been found. But tomorrow morning, I want you to stay with me till tomorrow morning. Because tomorrow morning, I'm going to tell you all that's in your heart. For aren't you the one that everyone in Israel is waiting on? And Saul goes, I don't know why you're talking to me like this. Like, I'm the, from the smallest tribe, and I'm from the smallest family in the smallest tribe. Fast forward. The 10th chapter, the first, first Samuel chapter 10, he anoints Saul king. I want to point out that he's saying to Saul, I am going to tell you what's in your heart. How many know there are things in your heart that your head doesn't know? I'm saying he didn't give Saul anything his heart didn't know. He was already, he was already called to be king. He was the only one who didn't know it. Or maybe there was others. And then God said, I mean, then Samuel says to Saul, here's what I want you to do now that you've been anointed king. He's already been anointed king now. He's got a prophetic word. You're going to be king. I want you to go down to, to over to this place where there's, there's prophets coming out from the oak of Depar, and they're coming down to Bethel. Did you notice they're coming to Bethel? <laughs> Just want to point that out, that they were coming to Bethel. And you're going to encounter the prophets, and you're going to be changed into another man. And the Bible says that when he encountered the prophets, he was changed into another man. I'd like to point out that ministry, that, that ministry, prophetic ministry, can give you a prophetic word. But it takes a prophetic community to change you into the person you need to be to actually see that word fulfilled in your life. And by the way, I think I'll prophesy this right now, because the Lord gave me this a few days ago. He told me that he is sending us reinforcements. And this morning I woke up and I, I got up early and I was praying and the Lord said, remember I told you I'm sending you reinforcements? I said, yeah. He said, a lot of people came here, are going to come here to visit today and they think they're visiting, but they're actually, they've actually come to be your reinforcements. So I want to prophesy that there are people in this room, there are people on, on our on campus, uh, online campus that you are called to be here to be our reinforcements. I say that by the word of the Lord. Some of you are just, as, as I'm saying this, like your heart is burning right now. Like you know that you're called to actually live here. Make this your family. And be our slaves. Oh, no, uh, that, not that. that 
add it to the word of God to demonstrate how you should never do that. First Corinthians chapter 12 says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware. I want to start out by saying this about spiritual gifts. They are not, they're not awards. The gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, these, these gifts, they are not awards. You don't get them for being good. You don't get them for being spiritual. They're not a sign that you're spiritual. They're a sign that he is. So when somebody prophesies, it's not because they're so spiritual, it's because they asked. How do I get a gift? You ask for it. What if I don't get it? Ask again. What if I don't get it? Get somebody who has it to give it to you. Yeah, we call this airdropping. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Get this. But especially that you should prophesy. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. First of all, I want to point out, it's not a suggestion. People are like, I don't want spiritual gifts. They're not for you. They're for the people who need the gift. I'm saying, listen, who wouldn't want the gift of healing if your family was sick? I mean, what kind of selfishness is this? They go, I don't, want to, I don't want the gift of healing. I can't heal the sick. Well, Jesus said you could. He didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. Well, I can't do that. You can because the Holy Spirit lives in you and he wants to give you a gift of healing. So when you encounter people who are in the need, in need of healing, you can heal the sick through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying it's very selfish and self-centered and egotistic to think, I don't want the gifts. Are you with me? Or to think, I just want the fruit of the Spirit as if, well, when I get enough character, then I can have the gifts. No, no, the gifts are not awards. You're not getting them because you have great character. You're getting them because you ask for them. Good point, Chris. <laughs> I was a little slow, but that's okay. Um, I think there are hundreds of gifts. I mean, there's nine listed. And if you think there's only nine, that's fine. I think there's hundreds of gifts. But he says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. Why? I think prophecy is the most powerful gift, well, at least one of the most powerful gifts, because it changes lives. Prophecy is foretelling, which means I'm telling you the future, and foretelling, which means I'm causing the future. Let me say that again. Prophecy is foretelling, I'm telling you the future, but it's also foretelling, I'm causing the future. Let me explain. Do you remember Ezekiel 37, where God sends Ezekiel down to a boneyard? And there's all dry bones. And God says to him, can these bones live? Ezekiel's a smart prophet. (laughs) And he says, you know God. (laughs) And God says, listen to this, listen to this, very important. Prophesy to the bones. He did not say prophesy about the bones. He said prophesy to the bones. I'm saying he prophesied, be life and death are in the power of the... He prophesies to the bones and the bones come to life and become a mighty army. My point is, is that When you prophesy, when it's the word of the Lord, there is red on the blue. Let me demonstrate. Let's pretend that your human words are red. It's a metaphor. So when you speak, they're red. And when God tells you to speak, on the red, there's blue. What is blue? Blue is grace. What is grace? Grace isn't just undeserved favor. Grace is the operational power of God so that you can do what you couldn't do one second before you heard the word of grace. If you receive a prophet in the name of the prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. What is a prophet's reward? It's the ability to do what you couldn't do one second before you heard the word. 
Are you with me? What I'm getting at, how many know that God wants to do more than you ask or think? Have you ever got a prophetic word that you go, that can't be right. I didn't ask it or think it. Brilliant. I remember this, uh, this team, I, I was prophesying to this team of five uh, couples, the 10 people, and actually right here. And this pastor brought him up and said, could you minister to my team? So the first uh, lady and, and guy, man, husband and wife, I, I, I said to her, um, I'm giving you the very short version. I see you um, playing guitar and writing music. And before I get any further, she said, that's not me. It's my husband. He's a worship leader. She said, I'm tone deaf. You know what tone deaf means? She actually can't distinguish tones. She can't sing because she's tone deaf. I said, lady, shut up. <laughs> Do you know what prophecy is? She said, no. I said, well, if you receive prophecy, if you receive a prophet, name of prophet, get the prophecy word. The prophecy word is the ability to do what you couldn't do one second before you heard the prophecy. She said, all right, do me again. <laughs> so I said to her, I see you playing guitar, writing songs and, and leading worship. It was much longer than that, but that's the gist of it. So about eight months later, this lady, it, we're having another conference, and this lady comes up to me right in the back, and she said, do you remember me? I said, no. She said, you prophesied over me about eight months ago. I said, that's a lot of people. She said, you told me to shut up. I said, I remember you. <laughs> and I said, I told you you're going to play guitar. And she goes, yeah, write songs and lead worship. I said, I remember that. She said, do you remember what I told you? I said, I actually don't. She said, remember I told you I was tone deaf? I said, I remember that. She said, well, you'll never believe what happened. Actually, I walked out of the sanctuary after I gave that prophetic word, like half an hour later. And when I, when I cleared the sanctuary, my ears popped. Like this lady's like almost 40. She said, my ears popped. I can instantly distinguish sound. She said, it's only been eight months. I learned to play guitar. I've written several songs and I lead worship in my vineyard church. That's a good word. What I'm getting at is that if you receive prophecy, and it's actually a prophecy. Now, how many of you know we're supposed to judge prophecy? 1 Corinthians 14, so let's let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. And 1 Thessalonians 5 says, don't quench the spirit. Listen to this. Don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterance. Examine everything carefully and hold fast to what is good. Do you know when you don't like prophecy, you're quenching the spirit? Do you know if you've got a couple of bad prophecies and you're like, I never want anybody to prophesy to me anymore, do you know you're despising prophecy? You're like, you sound like an Old Testament judgment prophet. <laughs> I'm just pointing out that when we get discouraged because the prophecy didn't come to pass or we heard one that's bad, how many of you are supposed to judge prophecy and you hold fast to what is good? Are you with me? Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. The three elements of New Testament prophecy are edification, that means to build up. Exhortation, that means to call near. And console, that means to comfort. How many of you know the guy who's giving you the words is called comforter, not judger? Are you with me? So this is where we're going. Um, that's a good word, actually. I, I, I want to just minister to a few of you. Is that okay? I'm going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 is there somebody in here you've had three spine fusions but you still have a lot of pain um, is there anybody in here that's like that would you stand up quickly please please don't come up afterwards that's me I didn't want to stand up it's like, and that's me I don't prophesy over you now that's you. would you stand up if that's you 
Is there somebody standing? People are pointing, but I don't see anybody standing. Right there? Oh, stand up, though. Can you stand? Are you standing? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Lord Jesus. I prophesy that you shall be taller. No, uh, first of all, I, I just, uh, I, uh, right now I release healing to your spine, Amen. to your body, and the Lord is strengthening your spine, but he's also giving you boldness, and, um, and, and there's something about, okay, I know this, the Lord didn't make you sick, but uh, that he's given you a backbone. He's given you confidence, and I saw you moving confidence. I saw you moving in, uh, in healing. I saw you moving in miracles. So not only is the Lord going to heal you, but he's going to give you a healing ministry. And the, the, all the years of pain that you've been in, they're going to result in compassion and power, and you're going to move in compassion and power like very few people ever move. So I bless what God's doing in you in Jesus' name. Um, I'm going to share this one. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But uh, I, heard, uh, I heard this morning, the Lord said that there's a husband and wife that you made a suicide pact and you even set a date because of the pain you're in. And maybe it's on our online, uh, our online family. Um, you can come up later if you're in here. I'd love to have a team pray for you. But I want to say this, that the Lord says your greatest days are right ahead. And I, I'm called uh, to speak against the spirit of death over you. And uh, the enemy, he tried to kill Jesus. Remember that? He told Jesus, throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. And so that spirit of suicide is on you because the Lord has caused you to be a redeemer. And uh, I release this, the word of redemption and the pain and depression that's been on you. It got so deep because of the uh, child who died. And the Lord said, listen, I'm going to redeem this whole situation. I'm going to do what you said could never happen. And you're going to be a counselor and a consultant. And you're going to bring life and you're going to bring peace to people. So uh, the Lord says, I'm changing this tonight in Jesus' name. That's a good word. Um, is there somebody uh, named Roy in here? Is there a Roy in here? Roy, someone named Roy? Don't come up later. Okay, no Roy? Oh, is your name Roy? That's your name, okay. Um, the Lord said, I'm calling you to myself. I'm setting you aside as a shepherd a flock, to my flock, a teacher and a protector. Oh, stay standing, sorry. Um, I, I release over you a shepherd's heart that you'd be a protector that you'd be a revelatory teacher, that you'd be anointed to uh, feed God's sheep, that you'd be anointed to protect his sheep, and that you would be anointed to, uh, uh, to be a shepherd to his sheep. So I bless that in you in Jesus' name. That's a good word. Um, is there somebody in here named May? 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 You're, that's good. Stand up. <laughs> hey, when you're desperate. You know what I'm saying? No, I actually do believe it's you, that this is uh, uh, the Lord. By the way, the first lady who stood up in the first service was April, and I said, well, you missed it by a month. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the Lord is releasing the gift of faith on you, and he's giving you the office of a miracle worker. Yes. I'll release that over you in Jesus' name. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yep. Yeah. What's your name? Would you stand up? Yeah. No, you. What's your name? Candace. Candace? Oh, that's a good word. Um, I saw the Lord put a crown on your head. Uh, I, saw, uh, I saw the word um, wealth over you. And I feel like the Lord is making you a wealthy woman. I feel like the Lord is giving you a wealthy mindset 
that you help other people become wealthy, that you're a catalyst to other people's success. I think that um, the Lord is even uh, redeeming, like, um, I don't know, like uh, inheritance that never happened. The Lord says, I'm gonna give you an inheritance. It's gonna be an inheritance that I've been planning for you for a decade. And the Lord's like, I'm gonna bless you. You're, the people around you are gonna be, you're so blessed. How did she get so blessed? How did her life turn around so quickly? And I just wanna say the Lord's releasing prosperity on you in Jesus' name. That's a good word. Why don't you guys, is, are you together? Stand up. Are you like husband and wife? No. Oh, hopefully soon? <laughs> oh, I'm glad I asked. I shared this in first service, but uh, uh, several years ago, like about 22 years ago, I was in Mount Shasta and uh, there was like 100 people in the room and I called this couple out and they stood up and I gave them this word about having two kids and all this thing. And we got all done. They came up afterward and said, we don't know each other. We were just sitting each other. <laughs> like, oh, great. And then six months later, they invited me to their wedding. So that was good. <laughs> but let me say, I won't do that again. <laughs> Um, great. So um, your name is? Stephen. Stephen, what's your name? Catherine. Catherine. Oh, that's good. Um, Stephen, um, Stephen, I, I saw an entrepreneur spirit on you. I saw you as a builder. I saw uh, like Joseph in the Old Testament that everything you do turns to gold. I saw the Lord. Uh, I saw that your commitment to the to the Lord, your loyalty to the Lord in the midst of circumstances, like Joseph was in prison, Joseph was in slavery, and finally he went to the palace. But his ability to be loyal when it looked like his circumstances sort of sucked, but he was like, no, the Lord's my provider. The Bible says that every place he went prospered, and it says because he was a successful man. And you're like Joseph, and you are a successful man. Your family's going to be blessed. You're going to have a legacy. You're going to, your children are going to rise up and bless you. Your grandchildren are going to be more famous than you. And I bless that in you. I'm not going to prophesy your marriage together, just in case you don't like each other a month from now. And uh, I forget your name. Catherine. 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 I saw you as a healer. I saw you speaking, uh, like not as a physical healer, although I, everyone should move in healing. But I saw you uh, speaking words of comfort and health and, cons and consoling people. And I saw you healing the brokenhearted. I saw you healing the depressed. I saw you like uh, uh, Isaiah 9. He's called the wonderful counselor. I felt like the wonderful counselor is in you and on you. And I saw people coming around you and you getting a reputation for, um, for having words of wisdom, um, words of breakthrough, um, words of deliverance. And I saw you um, kind of like a heart doctor. And so I bless that in you in Jesus' name. Um, one more thing. Let's see. It was a, um, if, if you, um, okay, let's see, I wrote it down. If your back and spine are full electricity, would you stand up right now? I have a prophetic word for you. If your back and spine, like it's not something you came with and if you're in our online uh, campus, please uh, stand up. If you're in your car, uh, open the sunroof. <laughs> if your back and spine are 
like, you know, you're, you're not, not having to think, well, is that me? You know it's you because it feels like there's electricity running through your spine right now. If that's you, would you stand? I think there's going to be like 20 people stand. Is there anyone else? You got two, three. Is there anybody else? Okay, don't, don't come up later, please. Because if you don't have the courage to stand, you won't have the courage to carry this word anyway. Um, the Lord is strengthening your backbone. And he told me that he was raising up Gideons who are called to be persons of valor. And so I release valor on you. You know, I don't know if you know the story of Gideon. You might read Judges 6, but they're in a really bad situation. Gideon's depressed. And an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, mighty man of valor. And he goes, yeah, where are all the miracles our father spoke of? And, and the, the answer to that was actually Gideon, the miracle is in you. And Gideon becomes the miracle that Israel needs. And I believe that God's putting a Gideon anointing and mantle on the people that he just gave a sign to. He's giving you a sign so that you'll know beyond the shadow of doubt, he's speaking to me. And by the way, I know this is weird, but you're going to have this sign happen often. And every time you do, the Lord's going to remind you of this prophetic word, that you're called to be Gideon. And that you're called to run to the battle, not run from the battle. I release that to you in Jesus' name. Okay. I want to give you an invitation. If you don't know the Lord, this is a beautiful time to actually meet the Lord. Or maybe you've walked away from the Lord. I just want to encourage you right now that I, if you stand up, if, if, you, if you want to know the Lord, first of all, we wanna, we're going to have a banner right there. We want you to come up and get prayed for. But um, I'd love to give you a word if, you, if you've come here today and you don't actually know the Lord and you want to know the Lord, would you stand up? I want to just really release something. Over. Oh, that's very courageous of you. Thank you for standing. Thank you for standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Um, I, I, I heard the word reset, and I saw, you know, if you ever had your computer like lock up and you turn it off and you turn it back on and all of a sudden it all works, and the Lord, uh, I feel like the Lord is doing this beautiful, amazing work in you, and uh, there's a, a reconciliation of friends and family, but also to the Lord, and I feel like this is the day when the Lord unscrambles everything for you, uh, reconciles the, the abandonment in your life, and restores you to um, this place of, of hope and peace. And uh, the Lord's taking away your anxiety. By the way, the Lord's taking away your anxiety and yours too. And uh, you're going to sleep all night. You're going to, uh, the sleep of the righteous is peace. And I want to say that you're going to sleep all night. You're going to wake up in the morning. Instead of being like anxious for the day, you're going to be full of hope. And, um, and uh, the Lord's uh, doing something special uh, in you, I'm sorry, I don't know your name, but the Lord's doing something special in you in that he's restoring hope for uh, connection and relationship. And so I bless that in you. I bless you too. And um, remember when you wake up tomorrow morning, remember what I said to you, that you're gonna have hope, but you're not just gonna have hope, you're gonna have a word that's, uh, that's kind of cycling through your mind of something you're supposed to do and a connection you're supposed to make. And so I bless that in you in Jesus' name. Um, you're standing for the same reason. Wow, you're wearing a white shirt today. The Lord is restoring your purity. And this is a, a great day of, uh, I think you've known the Lord before. The Lord is restoring your, your walk. He's uh, erasing your whiteboard. He's uh, taking away your old garments. 
Um, I saw uh, in Zechariah, it says, the Joshua, the high priest, was standing for the Lord in, 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 um, in soiled garments. And the Lord said, I rebuke you, Satan. And he dressed him in beautiful uh, festive robes. And I saw the Lord dress you in festive robes and say, you're never going to turn around. This is your day of loyalty. It's your day of covenant. It's your day of connection. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, who's coming? The love for you that stood up to come and to, over here. And some of my friends just want to pray for you. Um, if you're with them, if you um, brought them, you can just hang out for a few minutes. They'd love to pray for you. They probably have some words for you too. And uh, thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.